Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard, and I'm taking Utah over Florida in their game August 31st. Bet Online has free odds and lines available online or on your mobile device. Visit Bet Online today. Hey, everybody, Fred Minnick here. And um, ordinarily, you hear like very enthusiastic, very, you know, jumping up and down me in an intro, and that's coming. Uh, this is. Um, this is an intro to the intro. See, what I normally do is I normally cut these and pre-record, and then you know we post them and schedule them up. You know, where they're a week, about a week out or so. So the intro that you're about to hear was actually recorded a couple of weeks ago, and of course the tornadoes happened in Kentucky and throughout the Southeast United States, and um, I have a lot of friends who've who've um, had damaged homes and lost um lost possessions and people there are children still missing in this country and there are uh people still looking for loved ones and it's just it's an awful time and i just one of the things that bourbon does as a community is we always come together and one thing i'm very proud of is that as soon as the devastating news hit as soon as we all learned about the tornadoes um, hitting the bourbon community just united almost immediately. I have been working with uh, Bourbon Crusaders, which is an incredible philanthropic organization, as well as the Kentucky Distillers Association to be putting together a a bourbon benefit that is going to raise a lot of money. And we are going to be holding an auction that starts this Thursday this Thursday, the online auction will begin, and it will last through the 21st of December. And it will be um, there. Will the top items will be uh, a live auction? Some of the auction items that we have, we have uh, some extremely rare smoke wagons. We got some Pappy Van Winkles. We got a barrel of uh, Michters, a barrel, um, uh, not a barrel of Michters, a barrel of Blantons. We do, we are getting something from Michters, but I don't know quite sure what it is yet. I'm crossing my fingers it is a barrel. Joe, if you're listening to this, we'd love to get a barrel. Uh, we're getting a barrel of Willets uh, and on, and just so many great things, including some uh, activities with me and some celebrities like NFL Hall of Famer Charles Woodson um, is going to be doing something within the auction. But stay tuned for those things from me. As soon as I know what they are, I'm going to drop them inside uh, inside uh, all my social media, podcasts, YouTube, you name it. We're going to put it everywhere. But stay tuned for uh, what is going to be an incredible benefit. It's called the Kentucky Bourbon Benefit. And the proceeds, 100% of them, are going to go to benefit the victims of the tornadoes and it's it's through the fund that governor Bashir has set up and this is not a political fund republicans democrats libertarians green party everybody is a part of it this is just a way that they are are able to make sure that the money goes directly to the survivors the victims and that's what we're going to do so so i wanted to tell you about that and and now you know for the normal podcast as it nearly as it usually comes to you cheers i have no no meetings no uh no bs in my job i get assignments i dig into it i file it next assignment it is uh 
It's so much fun. The Fred Minnick Show is brought to you by 291 Colorado Whiskey, by McDurr's American Whiskeys, and by Heaven Hill Brands. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Fred Minnick Show. Fred here, and I have a very special guest, a dear friend of mine, Clay Risen, a fellow bourbon author. We're going to be talking about his new book, Bourbon, the story of Kentucky whiskey. It's one of these real big, pretty numbers that's uh, printed on fancy paper and everything. Really think you should check it out. Of course, Clay, uh, Clay and I have been writing about bourbon for really about the same amount of time. Uh, I've been doing it for 15 years. I think he might be around that same time as well. Uh, he is the editor for the New York Times, and I've actually written for Clay when he was the editor of the op-ed section for the New York Times. Now he is the obits editor, and what a fascinating job that is. Have you ever have you ever ne- known or met an obituary writer? It's fascinating. He talks about that uh, and more coming up. Now, if you haven't yet gotten your Fred Minnick Show sticker, make sure that you are hitting me up on fredminnick.com. And uh, send them your address so I can get you a sticker so you can put it on whatever it is you want to put it on. Just don't use it in any kind of criminal activity. I'm excited for you to listen to this interview with a dear friend. and You're going to get to hear us uh, talk and taste uh, the latest release from Angel's Envy. So enjoy this week's interview. But first, a word from our sponsors. People want a great whiskey that isn't like every other whiskey. So nestled in the shadow of Pikes Peak, 291 Colorado whiskey is distilled from grain to barrel to bottle. Exceptional Western whiskey, unlike any other. Passion permeates every sip. Utilizing grains from the Colorado Plains, water collected from Pikes Peak Reservoirs, and finished with Aspen Staves, 291 Colorado Whiskey is an award-winning single-barrel and small-batch whiskey. Hard-made the Colorado way. Our recipe, our stills, independent and always rugged, refined, and rebellious. 291 Colorado Whiskey is proud of its humble roots and excited as we expand to new frontiers. Get your taste of Colorado at 291coloradowhiskey.com. Online orders available or find a bottle near you. Ride it like you stole it. Drink it like you own it. Live fast. Drink responsibly. Hey guys, Jay Cutler. Started a new podcast called Uncut with Jay Cutler. Most of you know me from the NFL, some of you have seen me on Instagram, and some of you know me from the reality TV world. Each week I'm taking you along with me as we discuss football, trending topics, and whatever's going on in my life each week. I'm bringing along people that are special in my life, former teammates, friends, and some new people that I like and respect. That's what you're supposed to do, right? Podcasting? I think I'm doing this right. Can't wait to get started with you. Go subscribe now. Uncut with Jay Cutler, Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, and Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, my name is Dr. Green Thumb, a.k.a. Be Real. We invite you to come check out the illest, highest, most craziest podcast in the world, the Dr. Green Thumb Podcast. Come check out our random-ass conversations along with our crazy challenges. We got some of the dopest, iconic, and legendary guests in the world. We invite you to come catch a set, the Dr. Green Thumb Podcast. Listen and subscribe to us at Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Come check out the Dr. Green Thumb Show. Doctor's orders, baby. 
Hey guys, Michael Malice here. Be sure to check out my weekly podcast, You're Welcome with Michael Malice, now on Podcast One. You might know me from my terrible Twitter, my horrible books, or the nonsense I spout on podcasts like Rogan and Glenn Beck. It's all there. Are you black-pilled or white-pilled for the future of the UK? What is a man? <laughs> what is a man? What is a no? What I, is the, I, are you white pilled or black pilled? No seriousness, girl. No, no, no. I love the Jesse piece of question. The fact that you discovered that gives me hope for some of the things that I've still got that are missing. Well, if you need James G. Blaine's autograph, you are welcome to it. Of course, being the co-author of How to Have Impossible Conversations makes you the perfect guest for this train wreck of a show. Uh, I, <laughs> new episodes are available every Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, and wherever you get your podcasts. You are welcome. At Michter's Distillery, our passion is making the finest bourbon, rye, and American whiskey possible. When you only produce very small batch and single barrel whiskey as we do, each and every barrel has to be perfect. No detail is too small for our production team. From careful attention to the 18-month or more air-dried wood used in the construction of our barrels, to entering our distillate into the barrel at the costlier or lower barrel entry proof of 103 so that it's smoother, to heat cycling our barrel houses, to our signature filtration protocol, we spare no expense in pursuing our goal of making the greatest American whiskey. And no Michter's gets bottled until our master distiller, Dan McKee, and our master of maturation, Andrea Wilson, say it's just right. Michter's Fort Nelson Distillery in downtown Louisville, Kentucky, is open for tours and tastings. Book your visit on our website and stop by the bar at Fort Nelson for a world-class cocktail. For more information, follow us on social media at Michter's Whiskey, go to Michter's.com, or visit your favorite bartender. Michter's Distillery. It's all about the whiskey. Heaven Hill Distillery has been lifting America's spirit since 1935. They celebrate American whiskey's rich traditions, guide its evolution, and champion its exciting future. For Heaven Hill, whiskey is more than a profession. It's a personal passion that is poured into every bottle shared with newcomers and aficionados alike. So whether you enjoy the simple pleasure of Evan Williams bottled in bond or savor the uniquely satisfying experience of a rare single barrel bourbon like Elijah Craig, 18-year-old, you'll find a home at Heaven Hill. If you want to learn more about the craft and techniques of making quality American whiskey, check out educational resources and sign up for their newsletter at heavenhilldistillery.com. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Cheers. And joining the uh, Fred Minnick Show, a dear friend of mine and uh, fellow bourbon author, uh, Clay Risen. What's going on, brother? How you doing? Oh, I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. It's a nice uh, middle-of-the-day excuse to uh, step out of work. I mean, I'm still sitting at the same place I do my work, but uh, this time it's with whiskey. Yeah, well, and, and, you know, we were talking before, you know, we started recording here, but we are both behind uh, on our professional tastings, and this is uh, this is a good excuse for us to kind of chat and, and catch up. Uh, I'm going to be tasting... Uh, Spirits of French Lick, Morning Glory. Uh, they're branding it uh, Kasha Bourbon. And then I'm going to be tasting uh, oh. Castle and Keys Restoration Rye. 
And then a bottle I did not get, I'll have to actually physically stand up and walk over there to get it, which, you know, given my boot predicament, is, is you may hear me tumble. Uh, the 40th anniversary of Anthrax. So I'm going to taste uh, Anthrax's bourbon that they did with Hill Rock as well. <laughs> so what do you got? What do you got cooking? There? What are you going to oh, taste? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to retaste, uh, let's see, the new the uh, new Riffs Red Turkey Weeded. Uh, I never got around to the Parker's Heritage, the new one. Mm-hmm. So I was going to taste that. Uh, I have got uh, Blue Run, the new uh, High Rye. Oh, nice. And what else? I have a whole bunch of other stuff that I have not. Oh, and um, the uh, the uh, Angel's Envy uh, Port. The, the cask strength of this year. So fantastic. Um, yeah. You get, uh, sounds yeah. like yours backlogged as I am. Oh, that's only the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Those are the ones I'm really excited to taste. Right on. Um, you know, I mean, others, but, when, when you tell you know, people that, right. you know, you, you taste bourbon for a living, they're like, Oh man, I wish I had that. But you know, we get so much stuff that you, we can't, we can't drink it all. Not in our lifetime. If we no. want to live anyway. No, and uh, I'll tell you one of the. Um, I never say I, this is always hard to explain to people because it sounds like I'm complaining. Uh, but I, when I worked in an office, I had most everything sent to me at the office, mm-hmm. and so you know there were things I wanted to try, things I maybe didn't need to try, and I could give it away to people. I had storage at my office. Uh, ever since COVID, everything comes to my house, and so I have. Uh, I've taken over a you know a whole shelf. Uh, table counter countertop in the kitchen and uh, my wife is you know just at her last wits and and i dump stuff you know i'll i'll go through bottles and if i know i don't really want to try that anymore i'll dump it but it's tough it's hard to do that Hmm. but uh, maybe i just need more friends maybe i don't i give away bottles but i i just don't there are only so many people i can give a bottle to every week well listen to to live you work You work for the New York Times, and they they have a plethora of of uh, whiskey drinkers and rum drinkers there that I know personally, and you know I I can think yeah. of a few people that would be walking up with a with a bucket for you to drop your bottles in. Well, and that and that's why it was so easy in the office, but you know now that I'm home, I don't know. Everyone's spread to the four corners, so they're in New Jersey, they're in uh, sure. you know far Queens, so. I don't know. I don't really want to go back to the office, but it's going to make my domestic life a lot easier in that regard. Because um, I already have a whole closet full of whiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's my uh, not not so much my bunker, but just you know, you 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 accumulate stuff you want to keep. That's and, right. And uh, so even if I'm not a hoarder, over time, like it just accumulates. So you've got a a, a new book uh, coming out, uh, Bourbon. The story of Kentucky whiskey, you know, we're yeah. we're both bourbon authors, and you know, it's uh, it's it's just always exciting to get that new book smell. What's it? Uh, tell us about this book, oh, and so, yeah, so uh, so the book was commissioned uh, by Ten Speed Press. Uh, it's part of uh, Random House, and they had done a book a few years ago about the Champagne region in mm-hmm. France, and. The idea being that it would be both sort of an introduction to the region, but also take a very, um, you know, in their case, a terroir-driven, 
uh, you know, to use the French term, uh, you know, very, very much uh, a profile of the region, profile of producers, history, and uh, and and do it up fancy. So that's what they want <laughs> to do. <laughs> do it up fancy. Yeah. So so do we're talking fancy. glossy it's pages, campaign. big photos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so they wanted to do a bourbon version, and mm-hmm. so that's what this is. It's uh, so it comes in. It's actually two parts. It comes with. Uh, it comes in this. It's very unwieldy. Uh, it comes in a sleeve, right? And then uh, there's a. Uh, so there's the book itself, and it's like this, and it's got uh, nice big photos. You know, here's the the profile of Michter's uh, New Riff. Uh, so it's a lot of uh, distillery profiles, individual profiles. I didn't do the photography, so I can I can brag about, and I didn't design the book, so I can brag about that too. Uh, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it was uh, it was a lot of fun to write. It was a little hard to do in COVID because I couldn't make as many trips mm-hmm. to Kentucky as I'd have liked. But fortunately, I'd I'd been there before a few times. Uh, and then it's got a drawer that comes out. And the drawer's got some some old maps. Uh, we uh, we made a new map showing where all these distilleries are. It's got uh, some reproduced old schema- uh, distillery schematics, some old ads, labels, stuff like you know ephemera uh, is what they call it. And awesome. uh, that was a lot of fun to put together too. And I will say the team at Ten Speed did an awesome job. So this is coming out in December. Uh, it is you know. Timed for time for Christmas, you can get it uh, obviously at Amazon, but hopefully uh, your your favorite local bookstore as well. And um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm super pleased with it. And of course, I think we're both a part of the Oxford Companion of uh, cocktails and spirits that just came out. And yeah, I mean yeah. that's pretty cool. Long time coming. I know. We Long were... time coming, but man, they did a good job. I think I started working on that six years ago uh, or something like that. <laughs> you know, I think David reached out to me. He's like, hey, yeah. can you write a few of these? And um, Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I still don't have mine yet. Do, do you have your copy? Oh, really? I, I do have my copy. Uh, it's probably just virtue of being in New York. Um, it's beautiful. You know, it, it, is, it is an encyclopedia of cocktails and spirits uh, with, Man, there is a level of detail in there, and a uh, the quality of writing is great. You know, it's. Um, I hope people don't look at it simply as a reference book. You know, it right. is a it is a joy to read, uh, and mm-hmm. you want to read. You know, you on whiskey. Uh, you know, uh, Dave Wondrich on cocktails. Uh, Dave Broom on Japanese whiskey. I mean, these are you know people that top their game uh, as writers and as you know uh, minds in the industry. And uh, so it's it's just great to read through it, uh, you know, just oh, sort man, of open it up and find something, and then yeah, yeah it's, I it's, can't I can't lovely. wait. Uh, I I should probably ping them and say like I just want to make sure that you all uh, didn't cut all my stuff because I haven't got my book yet. But uh, uh, okay, it, <laughs> no, but it, well, we're we're definitely I'm definitely excited about that. It's always fun to be a part of that. There was something like 150, you know, writers uh, who contributed to it. So, yeah, you know, the best of the best. And it's it's just always an honor to be a part of something like that. What thing, including a couple of people. What's that? Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say just a couple of people who are no longer with us. I mean, Jack Robert is in there. Yeah. Um, 
few other folks who, because it's been such a long project, have, you know, unfortunately uh, are no longer with us, but their words are there, which is, yeah. which is pretty cool as, as kind of a, a tribute to them that that's, you know, we get to see their last words in this book, yeah. the last published words. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a kind of a surreal thing uh, to think about. And, and, you know, one of the, one of the things I wanted to talk yeah. to you about is, um, is the challenge of, of, of writing about bourbon because there is a, there, there is an inherent challenge for me personally that, you know, I wrote about something 10 years ago and now, or 15 years ago or whenever, now essentially, you know, there's this thing to like re- rewrite it and there's, there's authors and, and like, uh, in the United Kingdom that are very good about repackaging or rewriting, you know, the history of scotch and, you know, you and I are kind of very much in the same boat where we pro- we continually produce materials on um, on, on bourbon, um, you know, in different formats. I just wanted to kind of like kind of get your approach of like how are you how do you keep uh, the word to be fresh and different from like past uh, past materials? Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, I think. You know, one of the challenges, and, and I, I, I thought this is where you're going, but I think this is kind of uh, uh, somewhat along the same lines. It's just, you know, you, you write a book, and by the time the book comes out, uh, it's it's uh, a certain amount of it is already stale. You know, maybe right. you didn't include a distillery that is now uh, up in operation. Books are out of date the minute you uh, the minute you publish them. So that's a challenge with something like with, with bourbon these days. But uh, but also, you know, I take your point too. Like, there's only there's a you know, if you want to stay with it, you really have to find new ways to talk about what is sometimes the same old thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, so that's that's a challenge. I mean, my my advantage, or not my advantage over anyone else, but I think the 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 my saving grace, I guess, for me is that I often write for an audience that's not primarily a whiskey audience. Uh, they're whiskey. Uh, to borrow a phrase from you, they're whiskey curious. Uh, they may like whiskey, uh, but you know they're wine drinkers. They're 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 beer drinkers. They're you know you think of the average reader of the New York Times is not a diehard whiskey fan. So mm-hmm. I'm able to write stories uh, that may be old hat to you know folks watching this show uh, to folks in Kentucky, but are nevertheless worth elevating and and interesting to uh, to a general audience um, and and. You know, some of those stories are going to be versions of stories that have already been told in in mm-hmm. Kentucky. So the the flip side of that is that there are a lot of stories that I find fascinating that, frankly, just my editor says I'm not interested. So right. there's always that balance. That's tough. Yeah, and, and, and you know, we've never had. When I say we, I mean like, but the bourbon industry's never had like. Um like kind of a dedicated staffer look i know you have other jobs at the new york times but mm-hmm. you are for all intents and purposes a beat writer on uh, on american whiskey for the new york times also robert simonson you know does a pretty good job yeah. of uh, of covering the spirits industry and by uh and, and by that point default he's also covering bourbon in a lot of ways so what is it like in those internal meetings when you're having a discussion um about writing a bourbon story do you have to sell it do they understand it 
Um, or is it is it something that like now it's like they want it because they see the results of the readers and people are interested in it? I, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, I I've been doing it long enough that I kind of have a pretty good instinct for what, and I've had the same editor for most of the most of the time. So I have a pretty good instinct for what he's going to find interesting. And a lot of times I'll pitch three stories and I'll say, you know, this is the one I really want to do, but I don't know if it's, you know, I'll kind of have a reach story where I think, you know, this is the one I want to do. It's a little insidery, but what do you think? And then I'll have one that's maybe a little more conventional, but, you know, maybe doesn't quite grab me. And then another that's kind of uh, maybe not kind of story. And, you know, I, that always works. I mean, there's always something there that he finds interesting. Um, I tend, as whereas Robert tends to write more, you know, either about cocktails or he'll do a lot of, like, shorter newsy kind of pieces. And mine are a little more on the features side. So I'll do a deep dive into, you know, women in whiskey or uh, into African-Americans in whiskey or, I'll, you know, you know the, the resurgence of Canadian rye such as it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas B- Robert will be more like, guess what? There's no more, jo- there's no George T. Stagg this year. You know, that's, that's a, a story that is really newsy. We'll get it out there real quick. Uh, Which by, so by the way, we- when that story hit, I think I, I, I really do think that was a poignant moment in, in bourbon history <laughs> because the, I'm like, you're looking at this and it's like the New York times just wrote about a bourbon, not coming out like that. That is a, I mean, look, it's one thing if I post about it on Forbes, which, you know, is a fantastic uh, news organization, but it, it's a contributor-based one where you you dictate kind of what yeah. goes into the feed. But, you know, there's the New York Times is still uh, the highest level of journalism, and to see that George T. Stagg is covered on the same day that the president is, is covered is is – fascinating mind-blowing yeah intriguing i was was pleasantly surprised i was pleasantly surprised to see that because you know i'd seen the news uh in turn you know just in whatever we know about it a little ahead of time and uh saw the conversation and honestly it didn't even occur to me that that would be something that uh that our editor would be interested in but you know i'm really glad really glad he did (laughs) really glad he was and and i agree it's sort of it is um it did make me stop and step back and think, well, wait, maybe I'm, maybe my understanding of what I can write is a little outdated. Maybe I do need to push the, push the envelope a little here and talk right. about uh, new releases in a way that ah, maybe in the past I wouldn't. I would love to know the analytics from that article in comparison of other things published that day to see, yeah. to see where it kind of like stood. Um, I would because- too. Because it's it's I would like to know, um, you know, like I was just on the Today Show just talking about bourbon and everything. I'm like, yeah, like people are just interested in this stuff at a um, at a higher level. And the conversations we used to have, Clay, about like convincing people that bourbon didn't have to be made in Kentucky. We don't have to make those conversations anymore. People just kind of, know, know. you know. It's it's really, you know, I think when I think back, you know, think about 10 years ago where how different things have gone and the kind of, you know, maybe a little more than 10 years ago now, but the uh, the beginning of the boom, 
and the conversation about is this just a trend and you know the kind of insularity that came with that uh but then moving into you know i think especially when uh we talk about millennials but whatever when there was a, a sort of mid 2010s there's a real sort of i think a mass bourbon broke out a little bit you know into right. a into a much broader public and now you know i think you know you, you talked about this as well and we all know uh it's really the the kind of luxury pre super hyper whatever your appendage you know your your um prefixes premiumization of bourbon right and you know this is it is not unexpected it's predictable this is how things would go but it's interesting to watch just this sort of bourbon's march along along that trajectory well and you know clay when i when i when i think about you i i just i i love the the work you've done but you know you're you're not just bourbon you know you've written uh the bill of the century um the the crowded hour and of course you've written about single malts um i believe your first book was american whiskey bourbon and rye and of course you got bourbon right. the story of kentucky whiskey coming out and and you know we have we have kind of come up the the uh, around the same time you know i got my start 15 years ago mm-hmm. and um you know very quickly i started seeing you in rooms and you know i'm just i'm just so thrilled to to see how far your your career's taken off in both just the, in the spirit space uh as well as the new york times and it's been fun to uh, not only just you know getting to see your works but hanging out with you and, and like just having a good yeah, time because that's what this is all about right as we go yeah, into our absolutely. first taste no, I, yeah so yeah i poured the the new riff um which by the way you know i i will i don't have to be objective about things when i'm talking about this stuff i i think they're just doing such a this is not news to you obviously but right. when i'm in new york people are always asking so what's what's new in kentucky and you know, I think for a long time, my answer was very limited to whatever the big guys, the legacy distillers mm-hmm. were putting out, which was fine. I mean, they're making great stuff. Uh, but I really wanted to be able to talk up uh, new distilleries. And and it's been great over the last few years, you know, to be able to talk up places like New Riff and, uh, and Wilderness Trail in a place like New York, where these are not names that people necessarily know. Uh, they're not places where you get a lot of, um, you know, some of them have done some marketing, some of them have done some pushing, uh, but it's hit or miss. Uh, you can mostly find their stuff here, uh, but not always the, you know, maybe one or two bottles. So it's always, I, it's just a lot of fun to really feel it in my heart to go and say, you know, new riff, you just got to try these guys. And, uh, and it's great. Now, you know, I think so many of these craft distillers and I, you know, I think it's, talk about craft i don't know if they're really craft in the same way that uh you know some (laughs) they're 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 like i i think they're they're still they're not like four roses but they're in between you know they're in between like um like what i'm tasting here which is spirits of french lick a pretty small distillery in indiana and they're between that and say willet or four roses you know they're yeah, they're they're not quite there that size yet, but um, yeah, no, absolutely. That's, so, which, that's so you're a lot tasting of fun. you're tasting the latest from New Riff. Um, yeah, the 
What's the yeah, age on that? Or, uh, it is. I do not have an age statement on okay. it. I, I just have a. I just have a little sample bottle. Okay. Uh, bottled and bond. So I mean, that, it probably is for for change. Um, okay. It's a red turkey wheat, and I, it's I'll be delicious. Bit. I wonder what the uh, Campari lawyers thought when they saw that one come across. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I wonder what <laughs> they may not have seen it until uh, <laughs> just now. But until, yeah, yeah. The Campari yeah. lawyers tune into the podcast. That that's that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So you that's taste really that. Good. Tell me what you think. I'm going to taste the Morning Glory from. Uh, Spirits of French Lick, the Kasha Bourbon. I will say, I really like their labels, but they put a lot on there. They put a lot on their labels. Yeah. So they got like 30 different things on that thing. Oh, man. So this is, so it's it's made with Kasha, like the grain Kasha? Yep. It's, uh, so it's 12, they put their ret mash bill on here. It is yeah. 68% corn, 12% rye. I think that's a 16, 16% kasha and 2% buckwheat <laughs> and 4% malt. I have never had a good experience with buckwheat uh, in whiskey. No, so. me neither. Uh, I've, it probably is, you know, says something. I've had very little buckwheat whiskey. Um, yeah, you know, MGP, a- MGP had a, they had a lot of uh, runs of buckwheat. And it was like mm. so bad they had to like discount the the offerings. And so there's a lot of it that's out there, but I don't think anyone's disclosing it's buckwheat, uh, or it got blended off into some other things. But Yeah, there's a there's a place up upstate New York that does a buckwheat. Um you know. More power to them for trying, but uh uh I've never heard I've never had Kasha. You know, not knowingly, had kasha and a whiskey. Not bad. Actually. Okay, good. Yeah, they do. I mean, they get good stuff. So yeah, spirits of French Lake Allen does a good job. But so this is a four-year-old. Um, it tastes like coffee. I mean, if I'm to give you like a couple notes, it tastes like coffee and like um, in like like brown sugar, burnt brown sugar on oatmeal. I mean, it's, it's a kind of a pretty rudimentary tasting note there for you, but I mean, it's definitely oh, okay. palatable. Yeah, this uh, this one has uh, I'm getting you know that that line between brown sugar and molasses mm. uh, on it. Uh, some you know a lot of a lot of burnt notes. Uh, that sounds bad, but uh, you know there's sort of there's some char. There's there's some sort of rich rich vanilla here. Um, it's a little, a little spicier than maybe I thought it would be. Uh, but again, in a good way, this is really, there's a lot of, it's a really rounded, rich, this is a rich whiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kind I don't of mouth again, coating, know, getting all up in there. It, it really is. You know, I'll tell you this, um, I'll have to get some more because this is a, this really, I, this is one that I can imagine, um, you know, a nice sit by the fire pull out the solo stove on a, on a cold winter's night and, uh, have a, have a glass of this. Now you grew, you grew up in Tennessee. Were you making big bonfires out there like, the, and sipping whiskey next to them? No, not at my age. <laughs> I was a little, a little young for that. Um, 
but uh yeah i mean you know we certainly had some some backyard fires uh friends friends had backyard fires we lived on a steep hill with a lot of trees so not not uh, terribly conducive to uh uh to a lot of outdoor um uh pyrotechnic activities but uh <laughs> well, so we you know my dad my dad would um purposely collect like all the tree branches and all that we would have like one big bonfire every year and without fail um the fire department would come by and and like uh, tell him to stop or write him a ticket and you know he just the the man i think just liked um you know causing trouble with uh with fire so um i will i'll tell you this too uh you know, dad's from Nashville too. Uh, I love my dad, but uh, he's not the most uh, Nashville guy. Uh, if you think about the stereotype, uh, he's very much uh, went away to college, happened to move back, um, no accent. And now that I live in New York, I actually find myself doing a lot of the things that I wish, or now that I wish I had done as a kid. So having bonfires, uh, we've got a solo, I've got a backyard here in New York, uh, got a solo stove. Uh, just like you, you know, we have a big tree in our backyard, limbs come down all the time, save those up, make a fire. Uh, I, I've been grilling a lot, smoking a lot. I, uh, made a brisket this weekend that was, man, I'm not going to brag, but it was, it worked. That's awesome. Oh man. It was fantastic. Now do you, do Uh, you soak your brisket in anything? Did you soak it in, 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 uh, like, uh, like any kind of bourbon marinade or anything like that? No, no. And, and I will, I will be honest about this. It was the first brisket I've made. So, uh, I just did a, I did a standard, standard rub, you know, sugar, salt, some, I put sumac in it. Uh, what else? I just kind of opened my spice. I get, I'm allergic to poison sumac. I hear that. I'm all like itchy. Oh. Oh, well. Uh, if you come over, I will not include that in my brisket. But <laughs> I just kind of opened the spice drawer. Was like, what looks good here, man? Oh yeah, a little garlic salt. Um, but uh, and I've got one of those egg cookers. Uh, and those oh, the, are the green egg. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it's like driving a high performance car. You know, you just you put your foot on the gas a little bit, mm-hmm. or the you know the coals, or you know in this case, and uh, it just takes off. You've got to really, <laughs> you got to control. You, you want to get it low and slow, and uh, you know, That's get that right. two twenty-five. And I just mm, that I it is it is something I will master. It's a it's a task for me now that I'm uh, in middle age and feel like I can I can do this thing. You can and do feel it like all. This is what I'm supposed to do. You can do it all. Uh, well, you know, at least at least that I can do that. that so that's the next book. Uh, the from from high speed motor to uh, to the egg cooking or something like that. I don't know. I've never been good with titles. I don't know. All right, so I'm going to go to know. whiskey number two, which is the Castle and Key uh, Restoration Rye. I mean, this is probably the best bottle that I have seen in terms of design. I love the way it grips. I mean, this is going to be. Uh, it, it feels very comfortable in my hand. It's got a nice topper. Um, you know, it, it's got synthetic cork, which a lot of people know I'm not a fan of synthetic cork, but I was having, uh, drinks with Drew Colesveen the other day and, and he was trying to flip me on, uh, on my opinion of synthetic corks. 
And um, he did a pretty good job. He did better than anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Just talk, yeah. he was he was because he they use synthetic corks of Willet. Mm-hmm. And he was talking yeah. about like how there's they're not all created equal, and like you know they do a uh, uh, they do like a soak, they do a test where they soak the the synthetic corks prior to bottling to see if there's any like uh, residual residual effect in like the spirit. Um, that's what and, I hear about, yeah. And, and like, but the ones that I have had, I mean, like, I can taste the plastic in some of them, like, that, that's had it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Booker's is probably yeah, the most noted mean. one. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, I've always been a little, when I crack one open and I find that synthetic cork, I'm a little, a little skeptical. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh Yeah. Well, if, I'm giving if, the. You know, if someone... What do you go into? What do you go into? What's your glass number two? Glass number two is uh, the Blue Run Fall Release. Okay. Uh, this is uh, their High Rye Bourbon. It's uh, 111 proof. Uh, I really enjoyed their uh, previous releases. Uh, I think their work with Jim Rutledge has been uh, quite. Uh, quite a coup for them so okay uh this is one i'm i've been eager to try so as my nose goes into restoration rye from castle and key i'm really not digging it it smells um Mm. um it's it it smells like grain rot in some ways like grain rot barn wood and like and like a a pharmacy so it has don't you hate that it has a lot of different stuff going on that doesn't excite me. Now, rye can smell really funky, and then you taste it, and it's like nothing like it smelled. So, you got to you got to have a little bit of an open mind when you're smelling rye, and it smells odd. Yeah, but I feel like that's something. You're right, and that is a saving grace of flawed rye. But also, I've had lots of rye that doesn't have that that nose yeah um you know i just and and honestly you know you know the aroma is an important part of the experience it's so it really is you know it's it's not it's not just the uh, introduction it's not something to get over i i feel like you know when you when we do judging um you know aroma is off is sometimes given less points than the palate and i understand where they're coming from Mm -hmm. ultimately you're putting it in your tummy but at the same time, I feel like aroma has got to have, you know, you've got to think about that as equal parts with palate or at least, you know, right up there. Uh, yeah. Because I, you know, it's it's not just first impressions. It's it's a signature. It's a core part of a, the experience. Yeah. And, and more times than not, your, your palate can be affected by the day, uh, whereas your nose... Your nose, pending allergies, pending like nostril plugging, you know that sort of thing. You can yeah. be it's it's pretty spot on from day to day. Uh, yeah, but I do so I, I I do give a lot to aroma, but I mean I still give the lion's share to palate. Uh, I definitely give the lion's share of like. No, uh, I, I'm not. You know, I'm not saying it all. I'm not. Maybe I maybe I shouldn't say it should be equal, but I do think that uh, sometimes people skip over aroma. Um, as just something to get past. And I feel the same. Um, I, I feel as passionately about uh, the finish, uh, which not everyone does. Um, no, I'm I'm with you there, too, because 
you know, long after it's gone, like a bad finish will linger. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, to me, it's just, it, I, I appreciate why we need to break this down into a three part experience. Um, that's necessary, but I also think it, you also need to be able to think about it holistically Mm -hmm. and all those things need to be part of it. And, you know, I think most people do that, but, you know, sometimes we, we, not we, but sometimes bourbon drinkers or whiskey drinkers do tend to drill down on the palate experience and kind of discount everything else and say, well, I really liked it, even though it smelled bad, or I really liked it, even though the finish was coppery and mm-hmm. in short, hot, um, you know, to me, you, yeah, all that has to count. So. You know, it's interesting. You brought up specifically our genre of bourbon drinkers. And if you spend time in France with uh, Armagnac producers or, or, or cognac uh, distillers, it's completely different. You know, they have, um, mm-hmm. I mean, they will, they will be smelling their brandy as if they're perfume makers in Paris. Like it's, it's a, uh, I think, you know, we have to, like, and look, as, as an owner of a spirits competition, it's very difficult to say, like, to give a blanket, to give, give blanket judging standards, but you have to have like a point system in order to get points. So it's, 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 it's a little weird uh, in like, there are some categories where color matters. It's important. Like bourbon it matters. Scotch, you know I mean? They're adding coloring. It doesn't really matter that much. Uh, yeah. So I don't know, but I, I would love to, I would love to be, to get, to get to where there's a standard of judging for every spirits category because you should not judge bourbon as you do Armagnac and you should not judge Armagnac as you do Canadian whiskey. So I think, I think we gotta, I'd love to get to that place where we're like that in spirits and and they do that in wine. They do that in beer, but we're far, far away from that in spirits. I think so too. And, and I do think that the more, I don't know. The whole question of judging and competitions is is interesting because, you know, the average consumer doesn't see what goes on behind behind the scenes necessarily. But I I do think that there's been. I mean, you tell me what you think, but that there has there has been a uh, I think a progression in the sophistication of mm-hmm. a lot of the tastings, a lot of yeah. the competitions, yeah. and part of it is there are more of them, and mm-hmm. so people have to up their game. Uh, but also there are better judge or better judges, just judges have more experience and, uh, you, uh, and, and the competitions are better designed. Um, the experience of that competition, you know, COVID has made it very hard to do in-person competitions, but, but I've done some, I've done some great, uh, uh, online competitions. I mean, not to blow smoke up your butt, but yours was great. You know, that was is the right amount of whiskey. Uh, there were, especially at the end where we did, uh, uh, where we were meeting and talking, you know, talking yeah. through the best, the best. That was super fun. And that dialogue is so important. Uh, I think to really, especially when you're talking about, you know, what's a 94 and what's a 95, like what's, you know, really separating out the, the good from the best. And absolutely. Um, so I've been, I've been really, you know, for a long time, I kind of, limited the number of competitions I would participate in. And, and I, I still do just because 
I don't, I've got other things to do, but, but I've, uh, I've, I've enjoyed the last several that I've been part of. And there's a couple competitions. There's a couple competitions that I will not go near. Um, (laughs) and, and, and like their entries will be all distillers that like, it just, they will kill my palate. So I just stay away from them. And so, yeah, you know, well, yeah, the, well, the Ascots. I mean, we 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 did. Uh, we were pretty good. We got a we. All of the people who entered were like high end. We didn't get a lot of like uh, lower tier stuff. But no, yeah, it was, it was and, definitely great to have yeah. you. I'll tell you. This, I'll say that. No, it was it was super fun. It was super fun. And uh, look, I mean, I like tasting bad whiskey in a competition too because it's interesting. Even if it's blind at the time, it's kind of interesting to taste the range. Uh, as long as there's good stuff too. I mean, you know, right. but, uh, but, but that, that can be, uh, that can be enlightening as well. Uh, just to, and also, I mean, again, it's, you have to go back to find out what you tasted, but a great way to kind of get a really quick overview of, you know, sort of what are people making these days? Mm-hmm. You know, what are, what's kind of the trend? What's, what's, what's new out there? Um, you know, that's, that, that can be that kind of Intel can be really really fun because you know especially in a place like new york that is not the whiskey friendliest place uh it used you know, I get to be though i mean people I mean, I, send I, me I, all kinds of things and, I, I definitely want to talk to you about that but new york used to be a haven of incredible whiskey bars you had char four you had maysville you had all yeah. of these places that were so great and then this they went away, and is it as simple as that? The rent is too much, and they couldn't get enough people in there to make money, or what? What was what's happened in New York? Yeah, and you know, I wish I could explain. I think that's probably the easiest, and I mean, I think that's the I think that's the explanation that 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 explains the bulk of it. I think there's probably also other things going on in terms of just you know, you get a, a new bar. They're they're looking for what's hot and trendy, which is not necessarily what's hot and trendy nationally. Uh, you know, they're looking for um, a variety of things. And the idea of opening a whiskey bar is putting all your eggs in one basket that when you look at the New York market, you know, it's a huge market. There's always going to be enough people for everything. But is whiskey the thing that all the hot, cool kids are looking for? It sort of depends. I don't know. I don't want to speak for any bar owners out there, but you know, there's still, there's still a few good places. Um, you know, the, the, the old good stamp, you know, Brandy library is still great. Uh, you know, there are a few kind of places that unexpectedly have great lists, but, but it's also, also at retail, it's mm-hmm. really hit or miss as far as who has what. And the part of the problem, and I hammer on this all the time is that New York city does not allow anyone to own more than one liquor store. So no chains, not even any small chains. Uh, So a friend of mine, he owns liquor stores. He owns multiple liquor stores out in Nassau County. He has a couple in North Jersey, but he has exactly one in New York City. And what that does is it limits his access to some really cool stuff. He just doesn't have the sales volume to attract the interest from, you know, either smaller distillers who know they can, he's got a big store, he can get some shelf space he has a lot of employees he doesn't have any of that he has this tiny store few employees people don't know how to hand sell some of this stuff uh but also he can't you know 
you know, to be brutally honest, he can't move enough sky vodka to get, you know, whatever. He, yeah. You know, can't can't move the base stuff to get the get the allocated stuff, and and so that's tough. So you get people who, I go out to North Jersey all the time just to get whiskey, because that's where that's where it is. You also don't have there are only a few places in the entire city that do barrel picks. Uh, very few places, and wow. even then, you know, they work as hard as they can, but they get two or three a year. Um, and, but then you go across the river to, uh, you know, Bayway Liquors in Elizabeth and they have a ton of barrel picks, great barrel picks. I, they are awesome, but yeah. it also means I have to go, go to Jersey for that. So the so New York, despite being, you know, the city that claims to have everything does not have, uh, does not have all, you know, often does not have what I'm looking for in terms of whiskey. Wow. Well, I have some good news for you. I'm eyeing my products to taste that I'm behind oh, on. Yeah. And in uh and and a purple glow with gold uh with a golden font screaming out at me is an Angel's Envy cash drink for this year. So I may I can taste along with you uh for the next one. So I'm gonna grab all I'm right. gonna grab the Angel's Envy and uh and taste that, see what it's all about. Uh yeah, so look at this. The 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 wonderful press packaging that we get oh that's upside down there we go mm-hmm. so here we go the seal is broken <laughs> so that means that someone in my office has already looked at it to confirm what it is all right oh we got a sheet here a description sheet these things always crack me up okay mm-hmm. angels <laughs> Angel's Envy believes that greatness lies in the finish. And in two th- well, we were just talking about that. And in 2015, the Henderson <laughs> family visited the island of Madeira to search for their next extraordinary finishing barrels. Okay, so far, this is like legit story. There's no uh, no marketing mm-hmm. thrill in here. This is these are things that happen. No no adjectives that are kind of throwing the game off a little bit. Uh, Madeira's wine's <laughs> unique centuries-old aging process embodies true craftsmanship. Mm, now we're starting to get into the marketing clay. The casts are heated <laughs> during the aging process to allow for the oxidation necessary to reach the wine's desired flavor and color profile. Well, I mean, that's technically factual. During their time on the island, yeah. the Henderson sampled more than 30 varieties of Madeira wine before finding the perfect cast for Angel's Envy Extraordinary Third Cellar Collection release, Angel's Envy Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, finished in Madeira cask. With both the dryness of fine sherry and the richness of tawny port, this rare whiskey is worthy of Angel's Envy's cellar collection and your top shelf. You know what? It, as as marketing speak goes in whiskey, uh, that they get an A plus for just being factual. That wasn't bad. Yeah. And, you know, no, it's not bad. And, you know, I mean, I mean, this isn't something, you know, that everybody, I mean, we know, we know them. We know the Hendersons. Like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I think that's true. That sounds true. I don't think anyone's. Yeah. There was, you know, that was they, not they a. Are, they are committed. Yeah, that was, yeah. that, that, uh, that copywriting was on point and it didn't have any BS yeah. in there. Like, um. You know, 
that they were talking about it over dinner in 1962 and he decided blah 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 <laughs> yeah. you know yeah which that stuff you know when we were first starting out that stuff was everywhere i mean that's all anyone ever Oops. like you know you just all of these stupid backstories constantly and it's it's yeah. been cut back pretty good i'd say you know since we started i think so yeah you know what where I still see it is the occasional, um, you know, direct-to-bottle MGP bottle, or or not even MGP, but just somebody, you know, some rando whiskey. Someone decides to put a story on it. Like you still see that, and yeah. in They're that, in, usually in that new type, blood, right? Uh, exact. That's what I'm getting at, right? Yeah, is new blood to the game. Um, they figure they can. Put some story on it. And honestly, they probably can and get away with it among a certain type of customer, but someone like angels envy is not going to be able to get away with that kind of stuff. And they wouldn't try. Um, but, uh, but you're right. I mean, it used to be that that was, that was par for the course. That smells nice. I mean, it's like, this smells like a lot of fruit, you know, it's like a, Mm. Like a like a fruit basket, yeah. Let up, yeah. Hmm. Mm. Oh man, you know. I don't know how you're feeling, but that's pretty damn good. Yeah, I, I'm glad this is a fall release because again, it's it's that sort of. Oh, it's so rich. Yeah, this is uh, really um, this is desserty. Yeah, I don't know much about Madeira as a as a wine, you know, as a as a category. I mean, I don't know if anybody does these days, but uh, I know this. Maybe you do. The Portuguese, the Portuguese don't like you talking about it. They try to flip you to talk about port. It's it's funny. Oh yeah. (laughs) Last time I was in Portugal. I I ordered a, a, a Madeira at the you know let's just think of it as like a dessert wine, you know for for dessert, uh-huh. and the waiter's like oh no you don't you don't want that you you want a fine forty year old port right now and it's like well <laughs> kind of want a Madeira bud but hey push it on me I'll take the forty yeah. year old port. <laughs> okay, now was that was that because. He didn't want the word to get out about how good Madeira was, or was it because he no, was embarrassed? My, my, my sense is because there's still this, you know, Portugal. Portugal is like this little. It's this. It's obviously it's a little country, but it's a little country that Spain could never conquer, and they still have like you know they were involved in the Falklands, you know, in the war there, and they have they're still very like prideful and aggressive about what is theirs and and port is it would be like it would be the equivalent would be like being in kentucky and someone ordering a scotch and they and the waiter being like you need to have bourbon you know so i i've I've just always Uh, yeah yeah. I, i always see like this rivalry there and you know and i think i think that uh the they still own let me google this portugal madeira I think they still own it or own a piece of it, um, but it was it was originally you know Portuguese, 
uh, yeah, it's still it's still an autonomous region of Portugal. So they still they still technically own the own the island. So, uh, so you got to wonder, like you know, uh, locally in Portugal, do they think of uh, people who live in Madeira as like you know lesser than them? I don't know. Like it did, it's it's a very strange huh. thing to to witness. That is really that's interesting. Um, yeah, a few, I guess it was a couple of years ago now, a friend of mine was over in Paris and uh, he happened to be, went into uh, Maison de Whiskey and uh, he had, and he called me from there and he said, hey, I'm in this place. He didn't know much about whiskey, but he happened to be there. And he said, what do you want? What do you, what do you want? And I, I, you know, I said, well, I want a, you know, I want a French whiskey. Like ask them which French whiskey do they think is really cool right now. I would love a bottle of it because we don't get that much. In right. the U.S., we get a handful. And, uh, yeah, yeah, just a handful. And uh, and the salesperson was uh, was really down on French whiskey. Yeah. No, you know, don't you want a Scotch? Don't you want? We have, and of course, yeah, they have a an amazing single malt collection. Mm-hmm. But do they have single malts we can't get? I don't know, maybe a couple. But you know, they have all this French whiskey. And then and then and then I said, no, I don't want any single malt. Uh, I want the French whiskey and they, and then uh, the salesperson said, well, you know, we have, we have great cognac. We have great Armagnac. Of course you do. Eventually uh, he came back with a bottle of cognac. Uh, It just wasn't, but there's some great whiskey coming out of, coming out of France. Um, Mm -hmm. So I've heard, I've only had some of it. Uh, But uh, you know, I'm, I mean, this is obviously off topic from bourbon, but you know, Europe is, is just making some uh, mainland Europe. There's some great whiskey coming out of there, and you know they're making just, great rye, uh, like like Finnish rye, Polish yes. rye. I mean, they're they're yeah. making a lot of like historically significant uh, styles of rye right now, and that that's exciting. Very, very cool. I have some some Danish rye mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. that uh, you know, yeah, it's just this Northern European. I mean, that's where it came from, right? That's where rye. The idea of making rye into a spirit is a Northern European thing. Mm-hmm. So why shouldn't they be doing it as uh, as a matter of heritage? And, oh, and you're right. I mean, more and more of them are doing it. Yeah, the, so, the, the idea oh. that everything in Europe has to be a single malt is, um, is ludicrous. Uh, and the, you know, the, it, I'd also like to see people in Europe to create um, – you know more grain whiskeys, um, what they would classify as grain whiskeys, and I, I think mm-hmm. those are a very like untapped. Uh, I think that's an untapped category that offers a lot to consumers, and of course the price point's a little lower. So I always yep. like it when the price is down. So I, I think that there's so much to be you know had in the world of whiskey. You know, I was really low on some of the Mexican whiskeys when they first came out. I've retasted them like now that they've had yeah, a little bit more too. distilling under their belt. And you know what? Kind of dig them. You know, there's a lot going on. Is that right? Yeah, because I have not gone back. And I'm glad to hear that because I was super excited when people started talking about we've got these heritage, you know, Mexico, obviously a huge, long, grand history of, of heritage corn, of, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. just corn varieties that we don't really even understand in the north um but then the whiskeys were pretty the, the initial whiskeys were pretty disappointing 
Um, yeah, they were the original. I, I guess I did. You know, I mean. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think, you know, Mexico's getting back at it. Uh, Australia, obviously, is crushing it. Tanzania's crushing it. Uh, Argentina's even got some whiskeys out there. I won't mm-hmm. comment on their quality, but they're out there. Uh, you know, you have you just have, like, yeah. this this uh, kind of, like, this growth a- a- around the world. Um, and it's an exciting time. But, you know, yeah. it's just we only got you know one lifetime to drink. I had uh, – I know. Um I had uh, Golden Gooden, I don't know how to put Howden Carolus, uh, this Belgian, it's a Belgian beer that's distilled and aged as a whiskey. And uh, I've seen it around in the U.S. a few times, but I've never pulled the trigger. Uh, but then a buddy of mine who is Belgian, he brought back a bottle that he had gotten there and he gave it to me. It's great. It's, you know, it's, I mean, I'm not a big fan of distilled, you know, commercial beers that have been distilled into whiskey. I think it's kind of a gimmick, but, but this was really good. And, uh, it just spoke to the, the, the diversity of whiskey on the continent. We've got, uh, we've got diversity all around, man, in this, in this space. And, and it's yeah. exciting. Cause I think what's exciting, you know, as I'm tasting, uh, two brands here or three brands here that didn't exist, in the year 2000, you know, or year 2005, uh, there's so much uh, new blood here, and you know, we'll see, we'll see where it goes. But I know that you and I will be there, uh, writing about it or talking about it in, in some form or fashion for some publication or for some book or for podcast or whatever. And I gotta say, we got we got one of the coolest gigs uh, there is talking about whiskey, but I know, but you also. You, you're all, you're now like uh, doing obituaries, and you know what what is That's that right. like chronicling the end of, of of someone's life? What is what is that like to tell that story or to be you know oversee that process? Yeah, it is it is so much fun, um, and I know people sometimes I tell people that, and they think it's sort of morbid to hear, but frankly, you know it's it's. Uh, the someone's death is just an opportunity to talk about their life. And, and as a, as a history minded person like myself, those people, the, the opportunity to talk about their life, sometimes, sometimes they're significant. They've done something amazing. Sometimes it's just that they were part of something amazing. Uh, They did, uh, they were foot soldiers in some historic event. And, and that gives you, that gives me uh, the opportunity to talk about that. And, and then every assignment is different. You know, I, it's like, uh, it's, you remember that old show quantum leap where every still episode watch he would drop. Yeah. You know, it's a great show. Yeah. I he still would watch drop it. into a totally different history, uh, moment in history. And he would have to figure out where am I, what is going on and how, <laughs> what's the problem. And, and it's kind of like that for me. It's every time, you know, I dropped into, Last week, uh, the woman who kind of perfected, developed the, 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 the focus group as, as a, in marketing, right? She was one of these uh, women who were there in uh, the Mad Men 1960s. Uh, she was, but she was running focus groups. Uh, you know, then it's some academic. Then it's some politician. And it's just, it's so much fun to just figure that out, move on, do something else 
move on, do something else. And, uh, it, but over time, I found this, I've been doing it almost a year now. Everything starts to lace together. You know, you see connections. You know, someone grew up in this town, which is the same place that someone else I profiled grew up in. So I know a little bit about what that town was like, or I know about, I've done a number of pieces on uh, psychologists who came up in the 1960s, and that was a big time for psychology. So I've learned a lot about sort of the evolution of psychology in the 1960s. Never would have done that. Why would I ever know anything about that? Except, you know, I have this assignment, this job. So it's mm-hmm. it's fantastic. And uh, and I love writing, so I, I couldn't ask for a, I have no no meetings, no uh, no BS in my job. Wow. It's just I get assignments, I dig into it, I file it, next assignment. It is uh, it's so much fun. And you know, I get bourbon's to call only people ha- up, I have long conversations with them. You know, it, it, it's interesting. Like, first of all, no meetings. That's awesome. Uh, but like in like being uh, in like studying, you know, history through the lens of whiskey, I've spent a lot of time like going through obituaries um, of, of great distillers. And there's not been many distillers uh, who have received like uh, obituaries in uh, in the New York Times. You know, Pappy um, received one and Booker No received one, but there's not been many. Uh, noted well, uh, people uh, profiled. Do you, do you think bourbon has reached a point where uh, prominent master distillers well, and, and people in the business will be pro- profiled I'm, now? Uh, without naming any names, I can guarantee that's the case because I've already written them. Uh, you know, we do advanced obituaries. Uh, a large part of my job is writing in advanced obituaries. So people that we know we're going to write about, uh, you know, might as well go ahead and write, you know, if they're, if they're of a certain age, uh, go ahead and write their obituary. And then when, when the moment comes, we update them, we add whatever material we need to, but you know, we're at a, we're at a point where we can, where we can say that, uh, where we can essentially write the obituary. So I've, I've done that. I've made that part of my gig within my main gig is, is to make sure that, uh, that people within the industry are, are, profiled and and i think they deserve it uh we did uh we did dave pickerel uh this was before i joined obituaries obviously but uh we did dave and i was uh i helped out the guy who wrote it he's now my colleague uh you know he and i sat down and talked about what is you know dave's obviously important we need to talk about him but what is the who do we talk to what is the what is kind of the warp and the weft of his obituary um but, you know, there are a lot of people, I think, um, obviously going forward, you know, 20, 30 years from now, there will be a lot of people. But uh, but even right now, there are a lot of people who are, you know, that generation of folks who were around, who have been around long enough to remember what it was like in the 50s or the 60s or the 70s, um, you know, and, and left an imprint. But, uh, you know, I, I wish I were, I wish I had been around to do Elmer T. Lee. Um, I don't think he got obituary, uh, and he definitely deserved one. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, as always, man, it's great hanging out with you and like, uh, we could, we could do our own show just talking about, uh, whiskey and <laughs> hey, I've had a lot so we always have a good time when we're yeah. hanging out and, you know, I, I remember the early days when, uh, you know, folks didn't know who we are. We didn't have a uh, books, a book between us, but we, we still, uh, we still had a dram together and, 
and that'll never change, my friend. But uh, the book is uh, Bourbon, the Story yeah. of Kentucky Whiskey. Yeah. Go buy it, everybody. Go buy it. Cheers, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot. Cheers, Fred. So you got the holidays coming up, and you're wondering, like, what should we get? Well, you know, Bourbon, the Story of Kentucky Whiskey by Clay Risen would be a good one. Anything from Clay would be a good book to get uh, your loved one this Christmas season, this holiday season. Uh, I'd also recommend books from all my colleagues, Uh, you know. A lot of talent out there in the book writing world. I'm very proud to have written several books in this genre, and I got a couple more left in me, but uh, I'm not the only author out there. So make sure you are supporting all the Good Spirits authors out there and buying their books. You know, Amazon, independent bookstores, Barnes & Noble, wherever you can buy them. But wherever you do buy them, you are supporting an author. So take a picture, tell other people about it. It helps because, believe it or not, we don't make a lot of money selling books. I make more money on YouTube and podcasting, you know, than I did, uh, you know, writing books for the most part. Uh, at any rate, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks to Clay for coming on. Make sure that you all are, uh, when you, when you are listening to this, make sure you give us a review right afterward. If you can, it helps us with the algorithm overlords. But that's going to do it for this week, folks. Be safe out there. Remember, no licking handrails, no licking trash cans, and vodka sucks unless it's being used for hand sanitizer. Cheers, everybody. You've been listening to The Fred Minnick Show, brought to you by 291 Colorado Whiskey, by Michter's American Whiskey. And by Heaven Hill Brands. For more information about Fred and his books, his articles, and more, just go to fredminnick.com.